Today's interviewee on The People Spoke is John Briggs. A broadcast journalist for the BBC and ITN for 35 years, his credits include anchoring BBC Radio 5's Breakfast News Show and chairing London's top weekly political discussion programme for LBC. John is also a highly experienced conference moderator, having hosted over 400 international events for many of the world's largest companies and was the chair of judges for the English Speaking Union's annual public speaking competition in 2019. As an experienced interviewer, John has grilled influential figures such as Bill Clinton, Jack Welch, Sir Richard Branson and Alan Greenspan. John Briggs was the original voice of Apple's iPhone assistant Siri in the UK and also the voice of the BBC's Weakest Link quiz show and remains one of the best-known commercial voices in the whole country. John joins us on The People Spoke as an expert in all modes of presentation. He trains, speaks and lectures on the power of the human voice and offers his insights and some best practices for building a strong personal brand and an engaging narrative when delivering a live stream presentation. First off, tell me what made your most memorable on-screen presentation by an influential person so memorable. So I'm going to preface this by the fact that I don't necessarily believe that presentations in person and presentations remotely are dramatically different. Of course, the process is different, but I think there are certain things that are key and similar. So rather than give you thoughts on somebody who's been virtual or uh, been in the virtual space, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of people who held their audiences, because that in essence, is what this is all about, whether you are behind a camera or whether you are standing on a stage. And the first person I'd highlight is a man called Michael Abrashoff. Michael was a commander in the US Navy, and he was handed the ship with the least good disciplinary record in the US Navy. Uh, huge turnover of staff, very low morale, and he turned it around in a matter of six months. And his presentation was not necessarily the impact of the story, but that in itself, of course, is a, is a really good uh, scratch, an itch that your audience wants to scratch. That is how you create interest. Uh, you kind of give them the hook, how did I do it? But it wasn't so much the storyline, as I say, although that's good. It was the fact that he spoke uninterrupted with no visual support for 40 minutes. He held his audience in the palm of his hand simply from his ability to tell a story. So I'd highlight Michael Abrashoff as being the man at the top who I always reference as somebody who absolutely captivated his audience, and I remember his presentation to this day. The other chap who comes into that category is, um, by virtue of his position and his storyline again, a chap called Gene Krantz from NASA. Uh, Gene was... Uh, the man who was in charge of what was happening in Houston when Houston, we have a problem turned up. Uh, and Apollo 13 was uh, about not to make it to the moon and then had to find its way back. And of course, we know the storyline. We know they get back safely. We are aware of history. But he still told the story. And this was visually supported in such a fascinating way. This was the man who was there. That's almost impossible, of course, to replicate in anybody else. So therefore, you are in the presence of somebody who has something absolutely vital to tell. But no less, had he told his story in an unimaginative or uninteresting way, it would not have had nearly the same impact. And the final one I'll highlight is a company called Orange. who don't exist anymore, 
but they were one of the early telecoms companies. And they had a method of presentation using visual support, which was black and white, most beautiful pictures, very, very few words on them, all in black and white, but any text there was, was in orange. And again, I can remember the beauty of those slides. They had so little information on it. It was the absolute antithesis of what so many people do in their presentations, which is cram their script onto it. So in terms of visual backup, Orange still, even this far on, and it's probably 15 years ago I saw this presentation, they still have the zenith. They are at the top of the pile as far as I'm concerned, and I I think about them and reference them on a regular basis. Thanks. So Orange teaching us there that sometimes less is more. Moving on to question two. So what is the biggest challenge a presenter can have when trying to engage an audience when they're presenting remotely? So that's the only reference I'm going to make to generalisation. And I will try and now focus on being on screen, being behind that little camera, being in your own environment when other people are not. And the whole thing is down to lack of engagement. One of the biggest problems of not being able to engage your audience, be with your audience, is you don't get to monitor them. When you're in a room with people, you can actually hear bottom shuffling. And it's a really useful thing to hear because it means your audience are beginning to disengage. And an experienced speaker will know how to re-engage them perhaps with a change of voice, a pause, a change of tone, or knowing that perhaps what they're focusing on right now is they're spending too much time on it and they need to move on to the next subject. It's a really useful piece of feedback. If you can't do that, then it's very difficult to measure how your audience is responding. And because you're concentrating on yourself and your camera and what you are seeing on your screen... Not always easy to uh, look at the 30 people who may be arranged in gallery format in front of you to see whether they're all enjoying themselves or whether they're engaged too. So the rule of thumb really here is to make sure that you know, having rehearsed, that what you have to say is the best it can be. It has been pared down to the true highlights, the things that really grab people. And I always say, you don't have to tell people everything in one presentation. Leave them wanting more, because if they do want more, actually the virtual environment is a really good arena to be able to allow them to ask extra questions, because they can type them rather than having to raise their hand and be seen by everybody. And we know that when Q&A sessions happen in situ, in rooms, in conference rooms, Sometimes they can be very slow to start because nobody wants to go first. You don't get that problem necessarily within the virtual world. So actually, that's a really good tool. Allow them to ask questions. Use the question and answer session because you guarantee at least one person who's watching or viewing this has a real engagement with you because they're asking a question to know more on the topic you've already talked about. That's lovely. And of course, you're taking a leaf out of Steve Jobs' book there with respect to rehearse, rehearse and rehearse if you want to do your best. And of course, there aren't necessarily so many things to fear if you do prepare yourself. So with that in mind, what's the biggest opportunity presenters have when they're in front of a camera? This is purely down to attention. Attention is the scarcest and most valuable asset we possess. And people are clamouring for attention. Um, the virtual world is really no different. 
you have all these people who have been told to be at this particular meeting. Um, so you owe it to them to be as interesting as you possibly can and not waste that attention. In general, it seems, from what I'm reading, that the variety of meetings, conferences, etc., tends to make the actual process of presenting rather shorter. So the presentations themselves tend to be shorter. We're aware that people's attention spans are short anyway. They always say that in the real world, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a room, in a conference, the maximum attention span really of your audience is about 18 minutes. More than that, and they're probably drifting off. They, they can be less than that too, depending on whether you're talking on something that is you know, something they want to hear, but one assumes that they're in the room because they do want to hear you. It is about grabbing people's attention. It is about making sure that they're engaged. So attention is the scarcest resource. Value it. Value it because you have been given that opportunity and make the most of it. It doesn't mean you have to use all of it. it doesn't mean you have to be there the whole time. You don't. If you're given a 20-minute slot, very often it's quite nice that you only use 15 minutes of it and give people five minutes of it to do something else, collect their thoughts, grab a cup of tea, whatever it might be. So don't feel you have to use your slot, but make sure what you do do, what you produce, the amount that you present is absolutely jam-packed to fulfil the fact that they will leave going, wow, that was really useful. A big thing there, of course, was being able to grab people's attention. And I think some people are quite confident in their ability to do that. Um, but I guess what that can do is lead people to develop bad habits. Uh, in your experience, what are the worst type of habits that people can have when they're on screen? I think one of the worst habits per se is people believe they're not interesting. And if you come from a standpoint of thinking that what you're about to talk about isn't really that interesting, it isn't particularly captivating, you're already on the back foot and indeed you will fulfill that prophecy. You will not be interesting. So I spend a lot of time coaching people away from that. How many times have we heard speakers saying, well, you know, I know I'm the, the thing between you and lunch. You've basically just told your audience that you are less exciting than a rather dry prawn sandwich. And from that point onwards, it can only go downhill. But the worst thing, I think, generally in the virtual world is not having your audience in your mind's eye uh, and talking to your audience. Because we are using a camera, a camera is a very strange thing. It provokes a lot of suspicion, even if it's only at a very basic physical level. Remind you of the, the, the lost tribes that were discovered by people many, many years ago, and they would turn up and take pictures of them. And the people who'd never seen a camera were frightened that this was going to take their soul and depart with it. I remember the first time I stood in front of a TV camera and looked into this very dark lens, and it does feel like a large black hole. So I think it can be quite difficult to uh, be able to get past that point, even though we're all grown-ups and we're all adults and we go, it's a camera, we're used to them, they're everywhere to, these days. But at a very base root of our psyche, I think we, we do dislike cameras and we do rather fear them as well because we know they can portray us in a way that we don't necessarily like. But you must also be aware that that is where your audience is and therefore you do need to engage with it, you do need to look into it. And having your camera and indeed therefore your eyeline in the right place is absolutely vital. 
How many calls have you been on in the past 12 months where somebody has been looking down upon you because their camera is too low or indeed because their camera is too high, they're looking up to you? And both of those expressions, of course, are not just purely physical descriptions of what's going on. They're psychological as well. You don't want to look down on your audience. You don't necessarily want to look up to your audience. You want your audience on the same plane as you, in exactly the same eyeline. So the simplest and biggest and most criminal mistake I see constantly is not positioning your camera directly in your eyeline. That means directly level with your eyeline. Not so that you can just see the camera, but it is in line with where your eyes are in your head. And if that means raising your laptop with a bunch of books underneath it, uh, then so be it. If it means lowering your chair, absolutely do the same. But make sure your audience is on the same level as you. Otherwise, there is a psychological process going on of somebody looking at you going, but this feels wrong. That's a really lovely tip. And, and actually, that leads me nicely on to the next question, which is, please, what are your top three tips for world-class on-screen presenting? Well, they're quite simple, as I think all the best presentations should be, again, whether virtual or otherwise. The first one is have a great story. Know it well. If you look at your presentation and it's full of intangibles, clouds and arrows and business speak, Regardless of the professionality of your audience, you will turn people off. If you paint an amazing picture in their mind's eye, or indeed mind's ear, of course, then you will win them over because we are a pictorial species. We love having pictures painted for us because it means our imaginations work. And indeed, if you're presenting a slide, make it as beautiful as it possibly can be because we imbibe those, we remember them. And if you have fabulous visuals, people remember your storylines even more. It's called visual support for a reason. It backs up your story. Your story in itself can be fascinating and can be very memorable, like Commander Abrashoff's. But if you back it up with brilliant pictures as well, it'll be even more memorable. And know that story. Know it really, really well. Secondly, make sure you are talking straight to your audience, as I've said before. That is so simple and so straightforward because when you look at somebody, you engage them. And behind that these days as well, in the environment in which we're living, is a requirement to engage with people because one of the things we're not able to do is to engage with our own species in the way that we naturally do, the thing that makes us human, which is hug people hug people or shake their hands, be in their presence. Why do we touch people when we meet them? It is part of the human condition and it's been removed from us. So when you present, that engagement needs to be almost the equivalent of shaking somebody's hand, welcoming them into the presentation that you're giving. And finally, the last one is simple. And I would advise it no matter what you're doing, if there is an audience involved. It's rehearse, rehearse and rehearse. And once you've rehearsed, rehearse some more. John Briggs, thanks for joining us on The People Spoke. 